Today on the Multiply Podcast, we've got special guest Scotty Gibbons back with us talking about creating and sustaining a leadership pipeline, part two. Check it out. Hey everybody, welcome to the Multiply Podcast. My name is Jared. My name is David. We're so glad you guys are back with us and we're here with part two, talking to Scotty Gibbons about creating a leadership pipeline. So if you've not listened to the first one, be sure to go back and check that out. Uh, It was some great, great content. Uh, And this podcast, we're going to jump into the second two aspects that uh, Scotty laid out for us. Uh, the three were Discover, Develop, and Deploy. The first podcast we talked about Discover. And on this podcast, we're going to talk about the next two, which are Develop and Deploy. So, Scotty, when you think about the uh, second part, which is developing leaders for a leadership pipeline, what are some uh, major uh, principles or thoughts that come to mind in, in terms of that aspect? Yeah, Jared, just like we were talking about with Discover, for me, what helps guide my thoughts and, and kind of keep me on track here is is just like with Discover, there are a couple of questions that I have to ask and answer that will help guide me. And so it would be with Develop. And so I, I just have a few questions here that I would answer or challenge friends to answer when they're building their leadership pipeline. So you've discovered some leaders. The next aspect would be to develop them. So first question, why is it even critically important to develop your You've always got to know the why. This is going to drive you. This is going to keep you focused, and and it's going to keep it as a priority. But the simple answers uh, to that question would be, if you don't develop leaders today, your team's not going to be any stronger tomorrow, right? And and furthermore, if you're not developing your team, you're really cementing in the team a mindset of mediocrity that's going to affect everything that you do. So when there's a priority on development, you're making a statement to the entire team that, hey, Thank you for being where you are today. Thanks for the effort that you're bringing. Thanks for the skill that you're bringing. But all of us have more in us. Let's keep chasing that. So it's this thought of just keeping the why is important. We got to grow as a team. And then the next piece I would say with answering that question be if you aren't intentionally and aggressively aggressively developing the leaders, you're going to naturally attract and produce doers. And what I mean by that is if there's not a commitment to develop, if that's not a strong aspect of our culture, I may be able to recruit some workers or some volunteers, just that kind of a mindset, just doers. Hey, Pastor Scotty, you tell me to do it. I'd be happy to do it. Well, I'm going to really limit what we can do as a team. But if I have this commitment of development, it's this thought of uh, kind of what you were referencing earlier, David, is, is that that friend of yours who was answering the phone call and just saying, hey, can you solve this problem? Or what are your thoughts? Or how would you address this? Well, when I'm developing a leader, I'm, I'm growing the leadership mind. I'm, I'm challenging the leadership thought process so that I don't just have people around me who are waiting to be told what to do, but instead we're raising the overall leadership IQ of the team. Scotty, let me, then, let me interrupt real quick. Yeah. Um, what do you think keeps leaders from um, investing the you know, investing into developing leaders as opposed to recruiting doers? What do you think it is in us? Because I, I see a lot of this. Um, what have you observed? What have you noticed? What should we be kind of looking out for in ourselves, whether it's just in our tendencies or even in our heart yeah. as it relates to um, just wanting doers around us versus other leaders? Man, I, I do. Th- several things are coming to my mind. One would be just because of the Messiah complex. You know, nobody can do it better. I'm the only one who can fix this. I'm the only one who can do this. And so in our pride or in our insecurity, we don't want somebody close to me who can do it better than me. 
And so, you know, that could keep me from really elevating and, and raising up uh, the leaders around me and truly empowering them. But I think a, a lot of times I've I interacted with a, a team just um, a week ago, maybe in two weeks ago, to where they just feel guilty for challenging and developing. They're just thankful to have a doer hmm. and just, man, we certainly wouldn't ask you to do anything else because you're just so kind to even show up and just shake hands at the door. And, and what we have to do is we have to get over that mindset of we're asking someone to do us a favor. That's not what we're doing. We're equipping the saints. We're, we're challenging them to, one, discover what's in you. What is it God has wired you to do? And then part of that discovery process is what does that look like in the context of kingdom work? Because you, you're, you're not a businessman or a singer or an artist who happens to go to church. But no, you, you're created by God and for God with these abilities, with these passions, these talents, your wiring, you are blessed and gifted with these things for the praise of his glory. So I, I'm not I'm not doing you a disservice when I'm challenging you and developing you to discover that and to grow in it. I'm actually the opposite. It's, it's a disservice if I'm not doing that. But it seems like sometimes we're hesitant to do it because we don't want to ask for too much from people. And development, obviously – is challenging at times because mm -hmm. part of development, you know, is confrontation, you know, or it's, it's pushing a little bit. And sometimes that's uncomfortable for us as leaders. Yeah. Scotty, do you feel like for a lot of leaders, it, this is difficult because they're insecure. And when we start to develop leaders, we see some leaders that are better than us at things. And that becomes uh, scary to some have you seen that? And if so, uh, how do you or how did you um, deal with that in your own heart as it emerged? Yeah, I, I totally saw it because I looked in the mirror. So I could see <laughs> yeah. I got a really, really great look at that. And I know that friends have, have struggled with it as well because I just think that we're all flawed. You know, we're all we're all human. We all have our insecurities that we can choose to live with or to, to overcome them. And I think a person just has to make up their mind and say, hey, am I going to find my identity in Christ? Am I going to realize that part of what I'm supposed to be doing here is, is not just being the Scotty show, you know, only doing what Scotty can do. But I have a biblical responsibility here to realize it's not about me. And, and I have a responsibility to be raising up these leaders because that's the calling. That's the position place that God has, has put me in. And so. Uh, man, I, I have seen it, and I just think for all of us, it's a real heart check, you know, to say, are we going to allow that to define us as leaders? Or are we going to get over ourselves and and uh, set other people up to? It's really easy, I think, as leaders to um, find our sense of identity and our value and worth, and of course, our abilities to lead and accomplish and achieve, even within the context of. Uh, ministry, which is seems like we're doing God's work, and seems like we must be honoring Him because we're hard at work about His business. But it's so easy for our hearts to drift away from being centered on our identity being in Christ um, and the security that Christ offers us, even apart from our ability to perform or produce as a leader. Um, and that's just one of those daily reminders. Uh, I interrupted you a few minutes back. You were kind of rolling along, and I, I want to let you get back on as you're continuing to share some thoughts on uh, how you approach developing leaders within this leadership pipeline context. Yeah. So just, just picking back up on the why, just wrapping that up, just remember why it's important to develop. So the reasons that we've hit and, and just keeping in mind that in your own heart, uh, you're not going to develop great leaders or attract great leaders. You yourself aren't committed to, 
developing your own heart, your own life, because you really do attract who you are as a leader. And that's a humbling deal, you know, because sometimes we look at it and we want to blame our teams for everything. And man, I just don't have any great leaders or man, this guy's not any good or she's not whatever. And it always starts with us. I always have to take a look at the mirror and go, then am I growing as a leader? Because great leaders don't want to be around mediocre leaders. I know we're talking a very just secular term, so to speak. I know this is going to sound super unspiritual to some, but I think it's very spiritual. And I think it's a matter of stewardship. I think it's a matter of my own willingness to grow and not only become more like Jesus in terms of Christ's likeness, but also I need to learn to work my slingshot. I need to be better at this, not because my hope is in it, but that's part of the way I worship God. So I need to be good at time management. I need to be good at delegation. I need to be good at prioritizing. I need to be good at people skills. I need to be good at, at, at challenging and, and, and developing. So all of that in me, as I grow as a leader, and now I'm, I've got the, the platform and the opportunity to attract leaders who want to be developed. So those would be my whys on why it's really important. And uh, beyond the why, I would say you'd want to ask the question of when. When is the best time to develop your leaders? And obviously you can answer that and say, yeah, all the time is a great time to develop leaders. But in terms of a plan, you know, can you break that down and say annually, quarterly, monthly, weekly? Here's what that can look like. So maybe annually you, you, you start at the beginning of the year with, with just some vision and keeping the why we're doing what we're doing in front of them and giving them information for the, for the year. Here's where we're headed and showing appreciation and, and gratitude for them being a part of the team. And so that could be like an annual development. But then you look at something like quarterly and say, well, what can we focus on quarterly? Well, man, you've got to be celebrating the wins. You've got to be drawing their attention to and connecting the dots of how God is helping, how God is moving. And you also use that quarterly time just to uh, make sure that everybody's staying in alignment with vision and mission. Hey, remember, here's who we are. Here's where we're going and how we're going to get there uh, monthly. You know, you're just wanting relationships to stay strong. So, so, you know, a cookout maybe, or just going out to eat or, or just hanging out together, watching a ball game or something, but just monthly, or there are times that you're able to gather together and you say, well, that sounds like fellowship. And then, well, all of this flows out of relationships. So your ability to develop someone will hinge in great, great, uh, in a great sense on, off of the trust that's there, the respect that's there, how open they are or how defensive they become when you go to develop or grow them. So those monthly gatherings or just touch times are very, very important. And then even weekly, like every single week when you get together before service or every single week before you get together for the Bible study, you know, or whatever it be. But there's just some type of communication and appreciation. Here are three words that I've used, and I use it for uh, the annual and the quarterly and monthly. This is not science. I mean, this is this is something to where I say I just use it as a guy. But annually, I would focus my priority would be inspiration as vision and then the information. This is just calendar stuff, information that you'll need to win this year and appreciation. So I would do that annually in that order, inspiration, information and appreciation. And then when it comes to quarterly, I might adjust that a little bit. Quarterly, I might focus more so on information. So quarterly, hey, we're going to be a little heavier on the calendar side of things or just equipping you or growing you with stuff that you need to know. So information and then inspiration, because you always want to continue to pour gasoline on vision. 
and then the word appreciation. And then if I was going to switch it up again for monthly, I would just flip it and I would start off with just monthly. Make sure everybody knows how grateful you are for all of their hard work. So I start with appreciation, then go with inspiration and then go with information. So, again, not that that's any type of cure all or silver bullet, but just something that helped guide me to where I know here's my priority for this type of development gathering and when I would plan to do it. Yeah, no. Wow, that's that's really helpful. And I love this topic because I think there's a lot of leaders out there that look around and they see other teams or other groups and they go, man, I don't have any leaders like that, you know? And I Mm -hmm. actually remember um, when I was a young adult pastor meeting with some other youth pastors and they'd be like, man, you're so lucky you got, you got these guys on your team. And um, I don't have anybody like that. And there's this feeling, right. Of um, I I just haven't discovered any kind of golden leader out there. And I remember just having conversation. I'm like, dude, I've been with these guys for like five or six years. Like right. the best leaders are developed over time yeah. and it takes work and energy, but if you're willing to do it, the fruit is incredible. So, um, so that's awesome, man. Thank you for, for those practical insights and tips. Uh, we wanted to shift gears a little bit to the last strategy that you had mentioned, which is the strategy of deploy. And so we'd love to get, what are some of your thoughts when it comes to deploying leadership leaders in the leadership pipeline? Well, I think for the deploy aspect, you, you just want to, because I should talk about now implementing them into a role of ministry, giving them a, a you know a, a clear responsibility or job description. So I would say just start with uh, a well thought out onboarding process, because you never get a second chance at that first impression. You never get a chance to to give them their first look at this is what it looks like and feels like to be a part of your team. And man, everybody loves to win and no one likes to lose. And yet a lot of times we fumble just right out of the gate because we're not giving clear wins. We're not helping them to understand their role and and interacting with any of their fears or tensions that they may have about it. So part of the deploying win is just a well thought out onboarding process clearly stated wins, uh, clear job descriptions. And then I would say to make sure that you stay dialed in with that leader. And, and, and what I mean, pay attention to where they're, when they're encouraged or when they're discouraged. And don't be a passive leader. Interact in, with that, interject into that situation. Or make sure that they stay focused. Make sure that they're, they're staying in alignment as part of their implementation of those gifts. you got to always keep things in alignment and also you're paying attention because quite honestly there have been times where i put someone into a position only to quickly realize ah oh, man right person just wrong seat on the bus you know wrong role doesn't make them a bad person or a bad leader i'm a poor leader if i set them up to fail but i'm even a worse leader if i don't do anything about it so part of the deploy aspect is that you're staying dialed in enough to make sure that they continue to thrive and flourish more and more as time goes on and uh they will have the most fun be the most fulfilled ministry is going to be most effective when they're in a place that they can win and uh, nobody's winning when there's frustration and a lack of results so i would just say give them a clear uh, healthy start and stay dialed in, keep them encouraged and keep developing them, keep challenging them so that they don't grow uh, just bored with what's going on. Keep giving them opportunities to advance and to have more and more influence. And and you really are well on your way to having a, a very helpful and functioning leadership pipeline. That's great, Scotty. I, I don't know where I heard it, but 
I remember hearing that the, the two biggest f- source of frustrations for volunteers or team members is number one, not really having clarity on what they're being asked to do. Mm-hmm. And number two, not having the resources they need to do what they're being asked to do. Yeah. And so I think the job descriptions, the expectations, the conversations up front you know, are so crucial. Uh, I just want to ask you one question about as you're deploying leaders and you're sort of watching them step out and, and uh, succeed or struggle in different areas. What do those conversations look like or what sort of um, guardrails do you put up when they're first taking some significant responsibility? Um, How do you check in with them? How do you do that in a way that doesn't feel like it's um, sort of controlling? Um, What are your thoughts on that? Well, I do think that it depends on the person and it depends on the role itself because um, in the fear of sounding like it's micromanagement, uh, honestly, there are some situations to where uh, handholding is probably the best thing that you can do as a leader right away, uh, just because you're, you're trying to help ensure that they're going to win and you just can't sacrifice the entire Sunday morning all in the name of trying to give somebody a shot, you know, at something. So, uh, you know, there are youth pastors that I would work with even who are developing as speakers. And an example would be, uh, man, you're going to speak on such and such a date. Uh, but I want you to get your message turned in, you know, two weeks before so we can go over it together so that we can practice it uh, together. So that would be an example of that was a little uncomfortable for me early on because I was afraid it may look like I'm trying to control them. But then I just got liberated in my thoughts and I was better able to communicate with with sincerity of heart. Hey, this is my attempt to ensure that you have the greatest success as possible, you know, as you're developing as a speaker. So I think. Um, you know, just just making sure that that whatever the, is at stake, you know, like how high how high are the stakes here in this situation? You know, what 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 happens if they fail on this? There's some things it's really not that big of a deal. So I wouldn't sweat over it. I wouldn't obsess over it. Give them a chance to learn and grow. I feel like I'm speaking in, in ambiguous terms or too generally, but I guess it really just would depend on how much help or oversight does this person require. Do they have a proven track record of of hitting deadlines and timelines? And or do I need to kind of follow up half time, you know, halfway, just fire with text, hey, excited about our meeting next week where we're going to be covering, you know, your plans for uh, the recreation, you know, for our event, you know, something like that. Based on the person, based on the assignment, I probably would respond accordingly. Yeah, one of the things I love that you said is communicating ahead of time that there's going to be these check-in points. Um, mm-hmm. That's one of the things I've had to do because I do have some micromanager tendencies to me and mm-hmm. so when I let people know hey I'm going to check in with you a couple of weeks before and we're going to have mm-hmm. a conversation afterwards too then it's proactive and the conversations don't feel corrective or really good and it's just like it's the expectation up front I'm going to be having conversations regularly with you not because yes. I don't trust you but because that's just part of the plan wait a second you so used to, good you used to do that with me all the time and I never realized <laughs> that's what you were doing that's called leadership ninja Whoa. there you go leadership ninja that's awesome, man. I'm I'm uh, I'm thankful, uh, Scotty. I've I got a question for you. Uh, whenever we're around great leaders, one of the things I always want to know is um, how are they continuing to be great leaders? And so, mm-hmm. uh, question for you: Number one is what is your outside of the Bible? What is your favorite kind of all time book that you've read that's influenced you? Has been helpful for you? And then, um, secondly. What is one of the big ways that you continue to invest in yourself as a personal leader? Are you a podcast guy, a 
uh, reading blog guy, book guy. Um, so what's the best book? What's your favorite book? And then how do you continually invest in yourself? For me, the book outside of the Bible would be Spiritual Leadership by Oswald Sanders. It's uh, one that uh, maybe it's just right, right book, right season. But for the first time I read it, it so resonated with me. It so challenged me to where I try and reread it once a year. So that would be the book that I would say. And then in terms of probably my um, method of choice for just continuing in my own personal development, leadership development, certainly love reading leadership books. That's fun. I love uh, listening to somebody talk on leadership at a conference or podcast or whatever. But I, I think probably what I'm most committed to and enjoy the most would just be having a, a group of leaders around me that I respect and that I trust. And I can not only listen to them speak in, in leadership principle, but they can speak into my life. And so uh, just talking with guys like yourself, and I say that sincerely, this is not I'm not just throwing this out there as false flattery, but just talking with guys who have sharp leadership minds and just listening to how they think. But they also are maybe close enough to me to where they can help me contextualize that. So there, there are a group of guys that I try to stay pretty open, pretty transparent with. And just being humble enough to acknowledge and secure enough, and really it's, it's the smartest thing we can do, but I don't have all the pieces of the puzzle in my box. I need help. I need somebody to show me the me I can't see. I need somebody to give me a different vantage point on this and just learning how they're thinking, how they're developing. And that's a fun, fun thing for me. It was hard when I first started probably 10 years ago, but just having an annual review to where I had just a close group of leaders that I would just say, hey, can you evaluate me and what you know of me based off of these 20 questions? And I would just have them speak <laughs> candidly and not holding anything back and say, hey, if you really love me, you'll answer accurately. If you don't, then just, you know, affirm me on this, but just know that you're not a real friend. <laughs> like I really wanted them to speak into my life. Man, I started getting some insights and becoming aware of some blind spots I didn't even know I possessed. And so I would say for me, I love books. I love the conferences. Like all of those things are very, very helpful. But I love the personal development that comes from surrounding myself with just sharp leaders who just make me better. Oh, man, that's that's humbling that you would include David and I in that. And we look forward to receiving those that question. <laughs> I mean, <there>. that's, <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely. It's, it's coming your way. Jared has a real spiritual gift of interpreting um, other people's comments to be about himself. <laughs> yeah, that's a gift. Not that's, everybody has that's it. That's right, man. Thank, Thank God. You. <laughs> hey, Scotty, um, before we let you go, um, people want to connect with you online. Uh, do you have a Do you have a website, social media, if they just want to learn more about you? I know you've written some great books, and I know that you travel and speak. How do our listeners connect with you? Yeah, for the most part, across the platforms, it would be my name, Scotty Gibbons, so... Uh, that my last name G I B B O N S, and so my website scottygivens.com, and just the social media pieces that would be my name as well. That's great. Hey, we're gonna close out with David's eats a little different because in the last uh, episode you told us something great you've eaten recently. You told us you got introduced to chicken shawarma. So for this mm -hmm. one, we're gonna keep it real simple and short. What is Scotty Gibbons' favorite topping on pizza? Oh man, I just have to go meat lovers. Anything meat, I'm down with it. Nice. There you go, straight up, man. 
Well, yes, Scotty, sir. hey, thank you so much. This has been uh, this has been a privilege. Um, we're, we're thankful that you've been on the podcast, and we thank you for listening. This has been the Multiply Podcast. Uh, my name is Jared. And my name is David. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time.